Welcome to Church Chats with Gospel Gal. I am the Gospel Gal, Marissa Namir, and I have some guests with me from Zoom today. And we will be discussing the topic of church discipline. I hope you'll enjoy the episode. What I had written down and what is going into my blog is the validity of church discipline. Anybody who has been a part of the church for any period of time typically will immediately think of Matthew chapter 18 when they think about church discipline. Church discipline involves one-on-one interaction, brother to brother, brother to sister, sister to brother, who has offended them individually. So that would be the first, uh, the first, first step of church discipline would be just one-on-one saying, hey, you know, did there, that was offensive to me. And for the sake of our relationship, I want to address this instead of just sweeping it under the rug. So depending on the seriousness of the situation, um, the next step, if that doesn't resolve well, would be to take a witness. Again, from, from Matthew 18, that's the second step. Third step being, if that doesn't resolve well, take it to the church. If the church can't resolve it, then there is an excommunication process that happens. The whole process of church discipline, what I want you to hear and know is that this is for restoration. This is not talking about criminal activity. This is talking about a known sin that is offensive, but not criminal. The church is not meant to handle criminal problems. They can, that can be an adjunct to it, but primarily It's sins that are harmful to relationships, but not necessarily criminal behavior. Do you understand that? Yes. Okay. What you're saying is that if there's a criminal act, the the church doesn't handle it within itself. That's right. You bring in the authorities to handle that. So for instance, if you have, when I say criminal behavior, and if there is a, a man who rapes a girl in the church, that is not for the church to try to resolve. That, that is no. a criminal act that needs to be addressed by the civil authorities. Can you think of a specific thing that somebody might have done that's offensive to you that would go to the point where it could be a disciplinary issue in a church? I think that for me, if I mean, when I'm reading Matthew 18, the difficulty becomes in, you know, he says if a brother sins against you, mm-hmm. or we, we use the word offense, but it seems like, you know, the restoration is the key, like you say, is to try to fix this thing quickly and, and get things back in order, because kind of maybe regardless of what it is, if, um, if I go to a brother who is particularly... I don't know. How about this? I was thinking about, oh, let's say he's flirting around with my wife or something, you know, maybe a little bit more too flirtatious or something. Let's just say that. Who knows? Okay, that's a good one. You're, he's, he's flirting with your wife. So that would be a sin against you and against her, but not definitely a church discipline issue, but not a criminal activity. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. I go to him and I might say, hey, brother, you know, I kind of kind of tone it down. If you like my wife, cool, you know, but I think you're a little too flirtatious. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say he gives a hoot about, you know, our relationship as brothers in Christ and keeping peace within the church. That's 
that's his thought above all things. He's like, yeah, brother, you betcha, honestly, you know, if you're offended by it, then, hey, I'm backing off. But if he says, hey, you know what, you know, you know, you're, you're just too, you're too sensitive, you're too, and he continues it, and I, you know, and I go through the steps, you know, the, the idea is, I think maybe the greater offense is that he's unwilling to, to find peace and, and find this common ground with me in Christ, which is going to kind of create this kind of, uh, 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 how can I say, um, uh, uncomfortable, uh, unloving, unkind, uncaring uh, feeling within the body of Christ, you know, because now we got this tension and we shouldn't have this tension. I mean, if he doesn't care about my feelings or I don't care about his, then we're not acting as brothers in Christ. And that in itself is disturbing to the whole body of Christ, I think. What right. And that's the, that's the key right there is what is a sin. Church discipline, and I should discuss this too, it's not about preference. It's not about whether or not you decide it's okay to go to the movies or if your wife decides she wants to wear pants instead of dresses to church or <laughs> what genre of music you want to listen to. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the seriously a lack of love, which is sin. That, that's how we can define what sin is. It's a lack of love for your brother, for your neighbor, and ultimately for God. And we're talking in the context of church discipline. Yes. So yeah. that's, that's what, that's what exactly. uh, church discipline would be about, not about preferences, but about actual sin. So um, that's one thing. I, I did want to bring this into, and I can't, I wish I could quote it for you, Article 29 discusses um, the need of church discipline being a primary, one of the primary marks of the church. So this is very serious. We don't want, ever want to diminish that. It's a real thing. It's essential to the health and well-being of individual church members and the body overall. The three marks of the church are, number one, the pure preaching of the gospel. The pure pe preaching of the gospel, that's first. Second is the proper administration of the sacraments. And the third is proper administration of church discipline. If you don't have those three marks, the institution you're a part of is not a church. Mm -hmm. It's something else. So we never want to diminish the necessity of church discipline when it happens. It's a beautiful thing because people are being restored in their relationships to one another. Ultimately, your relationship with the Lord, because while our relationship with the Lord can never be diminished when we're reconciled to Christ, as a father, he can discipline us in love when we go astray, and he does. That's not an act of abuse any more than it would be an act of abuse for a parent to discipline their child when they're going astray. It's always restorative and it's always corrective. On the other hand, you can have a situation where the church uses methods which they are calling church discipline, but in reality are spiritually abusive. That's where it gets very touchy. I mentioned that church discipline is not about preferences. I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go with girls who do kind of the situation. <laughs> that's, that's not what church discipline is about. It's about known sin. 
and it's about something that's seriously hurtful and offensive and a lack of love for, for your brother and sister in Christ. I, I listened to uh, John. I listened to the guys at the question you asked from Theocast. Yeah. Again, I, I really liked Jimmy's answer. I thought he was direct and to the point. You know, he just went, if it's harmful to the, the person, they're harming themselves in this sin. Yes. You know, whether it be I'm going to leave my wife with this other woman or whatever the case might be, because we know it's harmful. We know that if they are truly a believer, it's definitely going to wind up in darkness for them. Then he said, if it's infectious and harmful to the church or the body, I really like what Calvin said that pointed out, and I really, I'm glad I read it, uh, in Matthew 18, the, the point is to keep it personal. You know, you don't even want to get it to that point where, uh, you know, you don't want, he says, okay, don't run out, tell everybody, you know, this guy did. He says, no, no, you go to that guy. And you're trying to work it out with that person, that woman, whatever the case might be, you know. So uh, that route first. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like Jimmy's answer. He was direct. He was like, he was direct. He just boom, hit it on the nail on the head and moved on. <laughs> so it's personal, it's restorative, and it's only, always for the purpose of restoring the relationship between the person, the church, and God most of all. And then also it is met for the purity of the church. You don't want to cause a situation where other people are either being negatively influenced or because that's, that's a situation that happened in Corinth. There was a known sin that happened, got away with it. They overlooked it. And Paul was like, look what this is doing to your body. Mm -hmm. So it's important for the, for the, for the purity and the peace of the church. You have to talk about spiritual abuse when you talk about church discipline because they are not the same thing, but often they are confused. And again, I'm going to reiterate what I said before. Proper church discipline is no more abusive than corrective discipline is between a parent and a child. Mm -hmm. For the good of the child, for their safety, for their instruction, for their wisdom as they're growing up. So that's a good thing, of course, depending on how you do it. Abuse of any kind is manipulative control, and it's ongoing. It doesn't serve anyone. To the contrary, it's really harmful to the person who is experiencing it. Whenever you're trying to control somebody else, that's harmful. It's always about control and manipulation. So spiritual abuse is the same way, but in this, in the, in this situation, you're using a person's faith you're using biblical sounding words to promote your own agenda and to um, keep down and under control somebody who you're actually supposed to be shepherding and caring for. Somebody who's been entrust, entrusted to your care for their spiritual well-being. It's just as harmful as child abuse in the respect that this is the very person that we, who should be sheltering and caring and nurturing and feeding and guiding and supporting. I had heard, heard you talking about like Matthew 18 and stuff like that. And like, I know for me, um, one thing that kind of differentiated between um, church discipline and spiritual abuse was that like in Matthew 18, it talks about, you know, if your brother or sister is in sin against you, going to them, and if they won't hear you, then, you know, the escalation process that should happen with that and everything. It was like there was a, um, 
a lack of understanding of what it means for your brother or sister to not hear you. Um, I didn't agree with what my church elders were saying I was supposedly doing wrong, that I, my husband was abusive to me and my church was counseling me to stay with him, to uh, go back to him, to submit to him. And um, I, there's a lot of story there and I don't want to take up a ton of time, but, I, but um, they, they were counseling me against leaving him and I was asking for their protection. They knew about the things that were happening with him and still were continuing to tell me to go back to him. And so when I wouldn't do that, when I continued to try to protect myself and my children, they said then that I was not hearing them, that I wouldn't hear them. And so they escalated and then escalated and then escalated because I wasn't. And eventually I was kicked out of my church. I was not because I would not go back to my husband. And they said that it was because I would not submit to him and I would not submit to my elders. In reality, I was protecting myself and my children. And, um, you know, there, Marissa knows the whole story. And so Marissa, feel free to, I, I, I'm open to questions. She, she lived in this situation for over 10 years. That's how long she was under this kind of manipulative control by her husband and her, her church. I had to tell her numerous times, run, you are not crazy. What you're thinking is not crazy. What your church is doing to you is crazy. They're supposed to protect you and your children. And that is the opposite of what is happening here. This is a vulnerable sheep who needs protection, who instead is being manipulated and controlled, where they literally told her that she was excommunicated from the body and that she was not allowed to have any contact with anybody from her church. That makes me mad as heck. <laughs> this is not biblical church discipline. This is, by definition, spiritual abuse. You know, Marissa, I, you know, your post really is what kind of got me thinking. I mean, because your posts are constant, and I'm like, wow, you know, there's so much, there's so much confusion in this area. And I've been under the gun. I mean, I, I haven't been in that difficult situation that Heather is. God bless her. Thank God you're there for her. Anyway, uh, but I have been in situations where disagreements with elders and doctrine and such were like, you know, if you don't like it, get out of here. Or, you know, actually kind of pushed out or actually said, told them leave. And then the told the church that, well, he left because, you know, he just won't get with it. That's why he left because he doesn't, you know, so I haven't been like, it haven't been under what Heather's gone through, but still been attacked and, and, and abused by elders because I, it, we couldn't talk it through and work through the work through law, gospel distinctions, that kind of a thing. Well, that's good. You're always going to be in an abusive situation, first of all. But, well, anytime you're in any kind of legalism, and when people can't distinguish between law and gospel, it's going to become a form of legalism, which is in itself abusive because that's not Christ. That's man-made theories about how things should be. Right. Was she in the patriarchal? Is that the church was she in? With Were they into that? The very patriarchal much. movement? Very, oh, very were? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, very, yeah. I, for the sake of um, Heather's privacy, I'm not going to say who it was, but these are very, very well-known IFB-type teachers and pastors. <laughs> so, 
know a lot about this. I mean, you, I mean, you kind of see you, you have a vision of the landscape of what kind of what, what's right and what's very, you know, the abuses that are going on. You well, know? I've lived through it, and yeah. so Mark. So, without any further ado, I'm going to introduce my darling husband. Well, hello there, Mr. Mark. <laughs> the handsomest man no. in the room. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm the only man in this room. So. <laughs> So, yeah, well, we were a part of a uh, Presbyterian church, and I was in being prime for leadership in the church. So there was a person who was also being considered for leadership in the church that had slandered someone who we know. And it wasn't just slandered like on Facebook it was a in a court setting mm. yeah it was a legal legal issue so I confronted that person and he gave me a story whatever and he wasn't going to be repentant of it so I was, I was trying to do Matthew 18 and you know bring it to him first and you know encourage him to repent so that did not happen so then in the process of being considered for leadership i brought it up to the to the session of we were a part of a mission church so there's another church that had a session an established session that sent the, the pastor of our mission church so so there was an, a different session. So then they, overseeing. yeah, who was overseeing everything. So then I brought it up to them. And the comment that they said, well, you just need to love this person and pursue them. You know, they slandered this, this lady. It was in a context of a divorce proceeding. You know, just pursue this person. You know, I thought originally, well, you know, that's a, that's kind of a nice thought. So let's pursue this person. But then, you know, after you think about it scripturally, you know, I confronted this person and they did not repent of their sin. They had slandered this other person in the context of divorce proceeding in a legal context that made them look like the female, the mother, looked like she was unfit and the father is actually an abuser. So like, wait a minute. So then I kind of pushed the button, you know, kind of went forward with it, you know, in that, in that context with them. And then they, Marissa saw the writing on the wall, but I just wanted to follow it through. And then they started accusing my wife of things. We brought charges against this person, factual charges. Documentation, I sent those emails. I agreed to them. And then I finally realized that, you know, if, if I was under church discipline, my wife would get the different treatment. It was kind of a patriarchy well, yeah, I was I was in leadership in the church, and they stood me down. 
prior to this once I brought it up. So anyway, you can see that was just another situation that went wrong. Hey, Russ, you just got here, so I'm going to inform you about what we've talked about so far. First, we talked about what church discipline is and why it is essential to the church. Then we were talking about what, um, what spiritual abuse is, because spiritual abuse is not the same as church discipline, but a lot of times it, it's presented that way, and what actually ends up happening is spiritually abusive. So we heard a story, an account from Heather, who experienced some pretty severe spiritual abuse. And then you just heard the end of what Mark was saying about another situation where it started out right as far as church discipline, but then it de-escalated and ended up being a spiritually abusive situation towards us. See, I think that goes back to, uh, you know, with Mark, you know, he was just trying to you know, make this, this smooth things out, shall I say, you know, okay, you know, hey, this, yeah. and the guy go, hey, you know, maybe I did, huh? you know, and again, it gets down to uh, Matthew 18 is just trying to keep peace, because we're going to offend one another, it's just mm -hmm. the way it works, I mean, but I mean, if we can't love one another and forgive one another and, and be forgiven, then, then we got a real problem there, you know, and then, you know, if that escalates, then that's where you get to the point of, you know, then it has to pay attention to it. But, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, Mark. I'm sorry, man, but it seems to me like you guys found a good place with Kurt. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was God's well. So um, I think we're going to have to to log out and log back in again because we only have like three minutes left in this. And I want to make sure that Russ gets a, an opportunity to talk about what kind of what his what his. Um, his experience. So, yeah, I mean, I grew up thinking of discipline um, in a very, like in a church setting, I grew up thinking of discipline in a very, like the way you spank a child. Um, you know, if, if you get out of line and you keep getting out of line, God's going to smack you and, those smacks will keep getting harder and harder. Um, and I, so that was my perception. And that's what I told myself I would deserve um, if I did get out of line. So I was okay with it. Um, but I, I had grown up in a setting where the gospel wasn't very clearly articulated and law gospel categories weren't clarified for me. So I had no framework or idea um, of how to make sense, especially of something like discipline. Um, but the only experience I've had with church discipline um, really was a positive one. Um, I, I never was frankly old enough to experience church discipline um, before this, but when I was about 23 or 24, I was at uh, Paramount Church with John Fonville and John had kind of taken me under his wing and was meeting with me on a weekly basis. And um, now I look back and I know that he was just trying to unravel the, the Lordship salvation cluster that I had been a part of for so long. Um, and part of that was disciplining me in just a very gracious way. Um, I was having, I was having struggles um, and was playing on the church band at the time, um, every week. Um, and 
So I was very open and honest with John about everything that was going on. Um, I told John things that I hadn't told my own parents and he was just very gracious with me. Um, and never did I sense that he was trying to elevate himself above me. Um, he always came and I, I almost always felt like his arm was around me and he was supporting me, trying to help me. Um, and I remember I was struggling with this specific sin and he asked me instead of playing guitar and leading, um, just to play guitar and maybe not sing for a week. And, and I kept struggling and he finally asked me to just take a couple weeks off. Um, but it, it never came across as like he was beating me down. Um, he was, it, it, it just came across as more of an attitude of encouragement for me um, and him, him trying to help me. Um, and it really forced me to kind of reevaluate my view on discipline altogether. Um, and what I've learned over the last couple of years is that just like God, God has a specific means for articulating the gospel to us in the corporate setting through gospel preaching, through the sacraments. Um, the church is the means for uh, discipline as well. It's a tangible means of discipline where God has set up a structure for our benefit um, to keep us close to him. Um, and I think growing up for me, I viewed discipline a lot more, um, a lot more separately from the church, just like God, um, God was going to judge me through various miraculous ways in my life and you know, caused me to physically get hurt or do things to me when I wasn't staying in line and wanted to break me. Um, and so just relearning that through John and through Paramount uh, was so helpful for me just to see what discipline is really for. Um, you know, we're, we're always in some way, I think, straying sheep. Um, and God, God in his mercy has set up those in our charge um, to woo us back. Um, and so John was patient with me and came alongside me. Um, and I feel like that's, that's what discipline, that's what discipline is. It's, it's God working for our benefit to draw us to the, to the, just to fellowship with him. Um, so Anything else you'd like me to say about that, Marissa and Mark? That's the whole purpose of discipline. Church, church discipline is to draw you back to Christ and what he has done for you. It's, you know, you've, you've sinned and trusting him. Right. It's grace. It's not, all right, you did this thing. Now you need to do something Pay I did not realize that um, what was happening to me even was abusive because a lot of it was not physical. Um, it was more emotional and spiritual and uh, psychological kind of stuff. And so it took me a long time to realize 
is that what was happening to me actually was abusive. But once I started waking up to it myself, um, that was when I started trying to go to my church about it and tell them the things that were happening, like very specific things about it and asking for their help. And um, I remember uh, as I was trying to, to leave my husband, um, finally, uh, the woman who had been um, counseling me, um, she knew about all kinds of very specific things that he had done to me. And she agreed with me that it was abuse. And yet she wouldn't step in there. Um, and she told me that she had to submit to the church leadership. She, um, you know, and, and all these things. Um, and I felt like she was, she was casting me aside, not putting her arm around me. And um, the elder, the main elder that I was dealing with um, in all of this, um, he kept just, I mean, hammering me over and over. Well, you're not doing this. You're not doing this. And if, you know, if you talk to your husband this way, if you would submit to him in this thing, if you would not do this, if you would do that, um, then he would not behave the way that he was behaving to you. Um, and basically putting all of his sin back on me um, and giving me the responsibility for both my behavior and his behavior. Um, and, but because I had finally realized that my marriage was abusive, I was starting to realize patterns of abusive relationships in general. And it was eerily familiar once my church started acting that way to me, I started realizing this feels the same way as my marriage mm. feels. It feels like I'm being strong-armed. It feels like um, somebody's over me, um, Try, trying to use a power over um, kind of thing, you know, to, to say, you have to do this thing. I'm over you. Um, not at all coming alongside and, you know, let, let me help you. And then like Marissa said, you know, I did, I ended up getting kicked out of my church and they told me, or they told um, the members of my church not to have anything to do with me. They told me I was not allowed to come to the church. I was not allowed to participate in anything with the church or have contact with other church members. And to me, I was thinking that I, I felt like, yeah, I, I, I'm being treated worse than an unbeliever. Like this is a church where they go out to abortion clinics and will witness to women and come alongside these women. And yet they're treating me this way. And I felt very beaten down and um, alone in, you know, well, you know, it wasn't sin what I was in, but it felt, I felt very, very alone. Um, you know, we kind of have to deal with everything that was going on in my life then and sort through everything. I don't have any family or friends around here really um, where I live it, um, locally. And so, yeah, once, once that church was taken away from me and my husband and his family were taken away from me. I was, I was, I was literally alone for a while down here and, you know, God's taking care of me well, and he's, you. he's come alongside me, but yeah, it was, it was a very abusive situation and they, it was, it felt like they were using, um, re removing themselves to try to control me. Like, Oh, if we, if you don't have us, then you'll have to do what we say. You know, if you want us to be able to do, for you, then you have to do what we say that you have to do. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was 
I mean, even so much as like moving out of my marital home, I tried to call members of the church to ask for, for help with that. And they, they told me, we can't help you do that because that's part of you leaving your husband. And so I had to, I had to pack up and load up my, my house. And I called everybody I knew around, <laughs> around Georgia to try to get them to come. And again, God provided, but the church was trying to use that to control me. And yeah, Heather, the, um, the, the spiritual foundation that you're talking about is the same as Russ's, by the way. That God means he'll do something very, very severe to you to make you learn subjection. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to kind of reiterate some of the things that I said in the beginning. Biblical church discipline is always loving, always scriptural. And always has its goal, restoration. And it is being able to reconcile relationships both with God and with man. Right. But what I'm going to address to say what he experienced, because it's beautiful when it's done appropriately. When Okay, so one of the things about church that I try to reiterate to my kids is that Christ calls us sheep for a reason. We're sheep. We're, we need to be tended and cared for, but on our own, we're in a very precarious situation. So it's, it's good and it's nurturing when you're in a fold with a shepherd who cares for you, who feeds you, who nurtures you. That's what Christ is. Christ is our good shepherd. He calls himself that. He's our good shepherd. And he leads us. He does not drive us. He leads us. He goes ahead of us. He doesn't drive us from behind. He doesn't. He doesn't feed us, and he doesn't. Um, he doesn't wield his authority against you that way. Amen. He's trying to draw you. Yeah, he does. So, use a cattle prod, kind of like the law does, or a taser. Yeah. Um, but, the law does that. Jesus, the gospel. So, um, pastors are called under shepherds. They're not the shepherd. They're under shepherds. But their role is to tend Christ's sheep. Mm-hmm. So if they're driving you, they're not act, They're not fulfilling their role the, the way that they're supposed to. It's not kind. And it's not nurturing. They should be feeding you and caring for you and tending to your soul in a nurturing and a compassionate way. And they're supposed to be ultimately drawing you to your Savior, pointing you to your Savior, giving you your spiritual food, who is Christ giving you your spiritual drink, which is Christ, the living water. You know, for anybody who's been through this, I just want you to know that you have an advocate with your father for your own sin and uh, as as your shepherd who protects you from fierce wolves.